0: Let's go! Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. I am your co-host, Danny Heath the Project Hockey. And we had on, honestly, this has been a, this a phenomenal interview. One of my favorite, I'm sure I say that a lot, but I, I mean it every time, right? They're getting better and better. But uh, we had on Christopher uh NHL veteran. Uh, he's
1: done it all in the game. And so with me as usual is... Steve Camin, Elevated Hockey. And yeah, you're right, Danny. This was a cool one. Uh, a couple reasons. One, two-time Stanley Cup winner. You know, Let's go. Pro, played in the NHL 11 years. Chris Versteeg. But we talk NHL hockey. We talk youth hockey. We talk coaching hockey. Um, and we talk about his new app, uh, Clever, yeah. which is like a clipping app for coaches, which I think is pretty cool. We talk about that at the end, but, you know, I was excited for this one. You know, it went well, the recording, it was awesome conversation. It was really cool getting to meet Chris. Uh, but, you know, I grew up in Chicago, playing hockey in Chicago. I'm like a diehard Blackhawks fan. So like to talk about one of like the core pieces of that 2010 cup run. And then again, yep. another, another, you know, he's in the 20, was it 15 cup yep. as well. Um, but that 2010 was like a wild cup run. And he talks about that, like what it felt like in the locker room and some of his buddies. And so for me, it was like a cool geek out moment just to talk Blackhawks hockey and Stanley and sure. sweet stuff. So
0: as a, as a hockey fan too, I, I mean, I never liked the Blackhawks probably never will, but, uh, it was cool to hear, like, you never hear those sides of the story when he's like when he talks about like how they were young, playing the minors together, and then they were all they all pretty much got paid on big contracts this year. And this was, they put a ton of pressure on themselves and then, you know, they made it happen. And so it's cool to hear that, that story, um, the way he told it was phenomenal. But if you haven't checked out his app yet, Clever, go and check that thing out. It saves you. For me, I love the video stuff. I think kids learn from that type of thing. And so this saves me hours, literally hours. And so make sure you go and check that out. Uh, we'll have all that stuff posted on how to download it and check it out, but it's clever. Uh, it, the app's called clever and it is super clever uh, the way that it works at it and he he does a really good job explaining it. so super pumped about that. Um, I'm super excited for this interview. Anything we gotta talk about before we jump into it?
1: I don't think so. I mean I, I think that uh, he, he, he throw we talked to NHL stuff, you know, which is always, great and entertaining and fun, but I think that there's also a lot of like nuggets of advice in here where he's talking about his thoughts on training and rest and, you know, weight gain versus speed gain and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of very practical advice in this one um, that can be translated down to like the youth and junior levels. So um, yeah, so I'm excited to hear, get it out there and hear what people think about it. Um, I think that's, I think we're ready to roll I think we just we just get into it. Let the people listen to Mr. Christopher Stieg, Stanley Cup champion.
2: Let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State. But if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even
1: some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support
2: Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's dot com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview.
1: Originally from Lethbridge, Alberta, he's a four-year WHL player and then went on to be drafted by the Boston Bruins in the 2004 NHL entry draft. From there, he went on to play 15 seasons of professional hockey, including 11 seasons in the NHL with Chicago, Toronto, Philadelphia, Florida, Carolina, and a short st- short stint with LA. He was on the NHL All-Rookie Team in 08-09 and was a, went on to be a two-time Stanley Cup champion, winning with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010 and again in 2015. He also represented Team Canada in the 18 championships and won a championship with the tw- in the 2019 2020 season of the Spangler Cup, Christopher Steeg, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. How's it going today?
2: Ooh, let's go! <laughs> he <laughs> He's
1: fired up right out of the gates. Yeah,
0: <laughs> now my wife's gonna come yell at me. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. It's part of it. It's part of it. But uh, exactly. yeah, thanks for for jumping on tonight. We love to start with just the the typical. Um, uh, not, not necessarily your hockey story. Cause we just heard it, but what
2: got you hooked on hockey? Like how did
0: this all become a
2: thing for you? Um, man, where does it begin? I think the the, where I really remember the first was Lethbridge Broncos, their WHL team, a junior team in, in Lethbridge, Alberta. And my dad bought me, it was like a green wooden mini stick. And I remember I'd play with it each and every day. Uh, My great-grandmother and my grandmother would play goalie. We'd have, like, (laughs) pictures of it still. Uh, It's pretty cool. And, you know, you you just fall in love with it. I guess my grandpa and and my dad would bring me to the arena. I don't really have very vivid memories of that, but they said they basically just chucked me on the ice and told me to start skating. So sink or swim. Uh, and I kind of did it with my own kids. I just chucked them out there the same. So, uh, but from that, I, I guess I fell in love with the game and, uh, and everything about it.
1: That's awesome. So, I mean, you grew up in, in Alberta and like you said, kind of got thrown into hockey and, and and ran with it, but you know, a lot of the listeners on this podcast are, are youth hockey parents and youth hockey coaches and players themselves. What, when you look back, um, actually two questions here. So one, when you look back to your days of youth hockey, like before you went into juniors, what what do you look back fondly on your time as a, as a youth hockey player that kind of sets you up to
2: love the game and, and make the game such a big part of your life? Man, there's just so many. I, I just, all my best friends still today are from youth hockey. Like I look at Brody Sheehan, he went on to play um, NCAA, Devin Setaguchi played in the NHL, Rob Klinkhammer. Uh, we had three players actually from our Bantam team playing the NHL and seven played pro and we're all still like really close best friends today. So, um friendships friendships it's really the best thing about youth hockey I think it taught me a lot of you know being teamwork um being with p- different people uh having conversations and it, it just did so many things for me but uh always comes back to friendships
1: that's amazing you had that many pro guys in your youth, crazy youth program huh? that's that's a little atypical there but
2: you guys lose a game uh, yeah, we lost a lot. <laughs> no, we ended up losing in the semifinals to Red Deer, and I believe they played uh, in Westerns that year. Uh, yeah, we we were a good team. We had a lot of really good players, and we actually even cut Colton Yellowhorn that year. I don't know if you've ever heard of Colton Yellowhorn. He scored like 40 goals in the coast, 50 goals two times, I think, in the WHL, uh, and he was a stud too. But uh, And he's still one of my best friends today. So we had a lot of good players, which is kind of crazy, though, it was basically like 50 years till kids or there was someone born and raised, no, maybe not 50, 40 or some Earl Ingerfield and Vic Stasiak born and raised in Lethbridge who played in the NHL. So that year seemed to be a bit of an anomaly. Nice.
1: Nice. I'm, I'm, you know, I live in Montana now, just South of uh, not too far from Lethbridge. And we've actually got, uh, I got a couple of young kids I'm working with from Northern Montana that I kind of have a sneaking suspicion. They're going to go North of the border here in about a year or two and start playing in the, the Lethbridge program. So Got a couple of kids knocking. I hate doing it, send so them away from USA
2: Hockey. But. Where, where in Montana? Because I get a lot of kids. I used to prior to COVID. Uh, we got a lot of kids from Great Falls, uh, Bozeman. They come to my hockey school every year. Me and Devin Setaguchi uh, bought the, the the Sutter Twins Hockey School back in two thousand nine, and we get a ton of kids from Montana. We oh, that's awesome. Time, yeah,
1: yeah. I live in I live in Bozeman, and we'll have to talk offline on that one a little bit too. But yeah, I've been in Bozeman here the last handful of years and and getting hockey hockey's growing a ton here i'm always uh, a big proponent of our our montana kids are reaching higher and higher levels every every year growing quickly non-traditional area for hockey but it's it's growing very quickly
2: that's awesome
1: it's a good spot um one one more question about when you were a youth hockey player chris uh, was hockey always your main focus as a kid like prior to juniors, or did you play a couple other sports or, or kind of what, what did that look like? Did you take time off from the rink in the summers? What was it kind of annual sports piece looked like for you?
2: Well, first off, I would have played hockey year round if I could. Um, my dad was big against not letting me play after the season. He was really big in having me in soccer. I played actually roller hockey for about six or seven years. I kind of think roller hockey was my skills training. I didn't have a skills coach. I couldn't afford a skating coach. I couldn't afford uh, extra ice in the springtime when some of my friends like Setaguchi say could go play spring. Like these are things that, Uh, we just couldn't afford to do. So I had to find other things in order to keep up with these kids that were getting extra. Um, And again, my dad just basically handed me a a wooden stick and a broken stick and a tennis ball. And he said, get to work in the summertime, you know? So uh, a lot of the stuff came from uh, roller hockey and soccer, but yeah, it's really crazy now. Like I have young kids in hockey. I have a five and six year old and you can see how much the kids are on the ice now. And I, and I, and you can kind of see they're you know, they're like horses, right? You don't want to just let the horse run each and every day. You got to kind of keep them hungry. Um, You got to keep them healthy and happy too. So um, looking back, I'm happy. My my dad did that for me uh, for numerous reasons, but I think the biggest reason, because it made me hungry, you know, especially at the end of the summer, uh, I'd be raring and ready to go and not basically sick of the season before it's even started.
0: A hundred percent. Like I, I was the same way. Like I, I grew up in Arizona. So super non-traditional market. Um, And like when all my buddies were going to Shattuck for the weekend for camps, like my mom would just be like, Hey, here's your hockey stick. Go, go try and get better. And so
2: inline hockey was huge for me. Um, Cause you could always I do that. It. it was, yeah. I, I love roller hockey, man. It, it is. Yeah. It's probably uh, obviously ice hockey, but it's my second favorite sport. I would play it every day if there was something to do around here like that. Yeah. I was the other way. Like I played roller first and then someone was like, Hey, you
0: should play ice. Cause you can't go to college for roller. So I was like, whatever, I'll try it. But I love roller hockey forever. But, um, yeah, I need to get back into a roller league. Thanks for reminding me about yeah. that. So. Sounds like Bobby Ryan's story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, so you, you had this awesome youth hockey career. You, I mean, how many guys from your team played in the NHL? Was it two or three? Three Devin Soguchi and Rob Klinkhammer. So yeah, crazy. That's too shabby. Yeah, I always, yeah, I always thought like our our Bantam team had like fourteen kids play Division One, but never quite uh, fourteen. Yeah, we had we had quite a few kids play. We we got pretty lucky. Like our um our head coach was Jimmy Johnson, who played in the NHL forever, yeah. and then his son was on my team, and then our other coach was Alf Samuelson, and his kid was on our team, and so it was just like. So I recruiting was kinda, hard. What's that? Recruiting was hard then. Recruiting was hard, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for those guys. So it was just like luck, uh, like Coyotes had just came into Arizona, and I, I just got super lucky and just got put into a birth year with a ton of kids, and, I mean, that sparked my my hockey career and got me to college, and so it was fun. But you, you didn't go the college route, so I want to know, um, was college ever a thought in your mind? Like, I went to Minnesota State. They must not have recruited you or – or what, was there, a,
2: was there ever a look at that or did you always know you are going to the WHL? So it's times are so much different now. Growing up in Western Canada, um, it was all about just playing in the WHL. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about school. I didn't care about uh, NCAA because I didn't even, I mean, I couldn't go on the internet and really look it up, right? I mean, you could go, but it'd take probably an hour with dial-up just to find the website that you'd need to go to. So right. uh, my dad, I remember, came to me the one day i was 15 and he's like north dakota uh wants to talk with you and i was like what's what's north dakota i remember 15 years old i was like what's north dakota he goes i had some school in the states i'm like i'm not playing i'm playing in the whl that was the only time i had an interaction with school now what what did they want me or really trying to recruit i don't know but i just still remember my answer that day like whatever north dakota you know, yeah.
0: you know? one of the best, the, one yeah. of the best colleges one of
2: that's out there yeah, that's awesome. It was, it was just uh, such a different time, though. You know, what yeah. I mean? it, it was crazy. Just it was all about the WHL and I had no thought of it, like none. What were um, what were your biggest?
0: So, so you're in there, you played four years, so you had to play pretty young, I'm assuming. Right. What was the what
2: was that experience like in the WHL? It was crazy. I wasn't drafted to the WHL either. Back in the day, uh, as you know, size was a big thing, right? And I was kind of in that transition period. That was in 2002. Uh, and that first lockout hadn't happened yet. So it was all about size. If you were 14 and had a mustache, you were getting drafted. But if mm-hmm. you were 14 and five foot three and didn't, you probably weren't getting drafted. So it was just the way of the times. Uh, I didn't get drafted. I ended up getting listed the next year and ended up making the team as a 16 year old, which um, was pretty cool. I didn't think I was going to, but I ended up making it. So uh, the coach brought me on. Uh, It was a, it was an eye opener, the WHL in 2002. I mean, I was right alongside Derek Parker, DJ King, um, I think his name is McGrath or something like that. Uh, yeah. I can't remember, but just all straight up heavyweights. Right. And I'm like a 16 year old, five six, one forty, 140 like just praying. I'm not going to get pounded on each and every night. So just a, it was such a different era.
1: So by the time you, you know, you, you came in as a 16 year old, you're, you're aging out as a 20 year old then after four seasons, you know, you, you grew a little bit and, and, and packed on, you know, some experience from there and you made that jump, pretty much right away into the NHL. Correct. I mean, he had a little time in the minors it looked like, but uh, let's talk about that jump. Like when you, when it was time to go from juniors to, to pro hockey, what does, what does that jump look like for you um, after those four years in the dub?
2: Yeah, I was at the end of my 19 year old season and I remember playing my first ever game. It was against the Hartford or Hartford Wolfpack. Um, And I, well, I was standing, it's kind of a funny story. I was standing at center ice, and all I hear is born May thirteenth, uh, nineteen eighty six. Dies, uh, you know, April first, two thousand and six. I look around; it's Dale Purington looking at me. You know, he was a he was just a fighter. So I was like, that was my welcome to the moment in pro. <laughs> and I was like, holy! But again, it's such a different game. So, uh, but physically, I wasn't ready at nineteen. I just got called up at the end of the year. I was one hundred and sixty nine pounds, five nine. And actually, at the end of that year, I got to about five ten. Uh, And 185 by the time the next year started when I was 20. So I was about, you know, 20 pounds, almost heavier. uh, And I was ready at 20 years old to go and play against those guys. I remember just being in the corners, uh, being held up, battling through, uh, you know, slashes and, and cross chucks and anything that extra 20 pounds did a lot for me whereas the year I remember again at the end of my 19 year old year I was just getting tossed around everywhere Um, in today's game maybe I could have pulled it off at 169 but it was just again like we talk about era and time Uh, I had to get to work that summer and I did everything I could I remember going to bed every night uh, drinking weight gainer shakes I don't know if you guys ever heard of those Mm -hmm. or whatever they're not they're uh, 900 calories per scoop and I would have two of them. And I remember laying in bed every night with a stomach ache because they hurt my stomach. But I was just like I don't care. I'm putting the weight on. <laughs> this is what it takes, you know?
1: Yeah, the game. It's it's funny because I, I talk about like even with me coaching some college teams now or a college team now, and like the size is, I guess it's still important in some respect, but it's not as important as it was. And so I love hearing that you know you're playing multiple years of, in in the dub as like a five nine one sixty five player and. You know, like so many undersized kids that I work with always feel like at some point they, you know, they get caught or they, they, they run into a wall where they're just surely because of their size, people don't give them a second look. So stories like yours were, I love here that like, maybe you're a little bit of a late bloomer, but you're playing at the higher levels as like an undersized player and it didn't stop you. I think that's a huge takeaway for a lot of younger kids listening that like, you know, five, yeah. five, five, nine player can play at any level. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a six, four guy um, to make that jump. So.
2: Yeah. Especially in today's game. Like, especially the, the height doesn't matter. It matters, you know, it matters about your positioning, your skating, your hockey IQ. There's so much more that goes into it. Now, again, the game where it was with box outs, cross checks, hooking, holding early 2000, mid 2000 was so much different. That size did matter, especially for those corner battles and net front battles. But in today's game, it, it literally does not matter. You know, it just matters how quick you can get to pucks, how fast you can turn them over. Uh, and you know how, especially in the pro level, who's willing to find a role faster. If you're an undersized guy, but you're willing to do something that a bigger guy isn't willing to do, you know, whether it's block shots or, or just figure out ways to be effective within the game, you're going to get there. And I mean, coaches love that, right? Coaches love guys that just figure it out and find a way so, yeah, back to size, like it, it's really nothing. It literally is nothing if you were willing to put everything into it. For sure. It's
0: it's awesome now that, and and you, I mean, when you played like it, you're right. Like it was about size. Like if you were, like there was no way Char was not making it to the NHL just because that guy could stay on his feet and he's whatever, eight foot 10 or whatever he is. But uh, it's crazy now that, uh, you know, you can do what, you can be any size you want. And like you said, as long as you're, you're making plays and you're, you're thinking the game, you're going to get there. And so, yeah, I think if, if you're a short kid, small kid, whatever, listening to this right now, rewind that and just listen to that again, just because it, it, it is a huge impact. So thank I, you for sharing
2: that. I, yeah. I'd like to also like add to that just a little bit is it's better now too, because the players are being really strong within their natural weight. Now they're not, you know, like back then I was, I'm naturally 160, but I had to get to 190 almost, Mm -hmm. right? Like 188, that's 30 pounds of like unnatural muscle. Maybe I could get to 170 uh, with pound, but like now it's like, you see Mitch Marner, he's 158, 160 pounds, you know, but he's as strong as he can be within that frame. And he's not focused on being another 20 or 30 pounds, which could be unhealthy for the athlete, unhealthy on the body, bad for joints and so many other things. So really try to maximize your frame is all I'm saying is you don't have to go out and put on crazy weight. Now just maximize what you have. I love that. Yeah. I was, uh,
0: I can remember eating a peanut butter and banana sandwich in between every class of high school. Like my sophomore year, I was trying to put weight on. Cause I was like, I was probably, I was like six foot, but I was like 160, and I was like, I got to gain some weight. And so yeah, I like the idea of just like be as strong as you as you can inside of like your natural body shape because then you don't lose any other part of your game. So I love yeah. that. Um, so NHL, best league in the world. What was your your big aha there? Like, okay, I'm playing in the National Hockey League. This is it. Um, did did you get one of those uh, rookie laps with by yourself, or was that a thing, or did you kind of get tossed
2: into the mix, or how'd that look like? I don't think there was rookie laps in 2007. Um, I I don't remember any of that. I just remember my first ever game was in Calgary against the Flames. And, you know, being a kid from Southern Alberta, the Flames weren't my favorite team, but Jerome McGinley was a God, you know? Like I remember being 17, 18, um, watching them go through that cup run in 2004. And then all of a sudden, 2007 i remember getting on the ice and there's still a picture of it it's in my basement it's of me and robert lang lining up against craig conroy and jerome mcginlaw off a draw and i still vividly remember that face off because i was like this looks like a video game almost yeah. you know you're just like what is this like real life and then all of a sudden he cross-checks you i'm like holy this is <laughs> real you know like i just got cross-checked by iggy yeah was like that was my aha moment it was just crazy and then I was at home right my first ever game was at home technically um in front of probably a hundred friends and family you know they all got to come so that moment uh was as big of any moment besides basically the Stanley Cup for me
1: that's awesome I I love hearing those like aha moments because everybody we talk to is a little bit different but uh you know they all kind of kind of the same way of like, it's kind of a blur and it's very surreal. And all of a sudden you like snap into the moment go, oh, I, I still got to play here. I can't take it all in for too long.
2: <laughs> yeah. You don't want to relax. Right. And, and then that's another thing when it comes into your mindset is you don't want to give them too much respect. And I think that's what kind of why I faltered in the first year when I played those games is just, I was like, oh my goodness, that's Dominic Kashuk. And that's, you know, Pavel Datsuk and that's Zetterberg and, you know, and that's Lidstrom. I'm like, what am I doing here? You know? So I kind of remember I shifted my mindset that summer of like, screw it. I don't care who they are. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have to train yourself to realize like, I'm good enough to be here and screw them. Like I'm going right through them. It is, it is a crazy altering mind state that you got to go. through. (laughs) Yeah. One of our other guests, uh,
1: who is, is playing in the league right now, he said almost verbatim, the exact same thing where it was like, he had to make that shift in his head to to try to secure that roster spot and and realize like, yeah, like I'm here just the same as they are. We're fighting for the same, same thing. So it's, you know, you got to put the, not lose the respect, but lose the, uh, like put him up on a pedestal where you can't compete against them.
2: 100%. So,
1: so I want to, I want to jump gears a little bit here, Chris. And, you know, Danny always talks about his Mankato hockey guys and all this stuff. But, you know, I grew up playing hockey in Chicago, right outside of the city. The Hawks were my team. I was like living and breathing Chicago Blackhawks. And so I want to talk about your run, your two runs with, with, with the Hawks a little bit and just. You know, maybe if you can just kind of summarize, you know, what set those teams apart or what you remember fondly or kind of what you, you know, your learning experience from those cup runs and you can, however you want to present it. But I just, as a Hawks fan and a hockey fan, I just want to hear, you know, what was it like going through those, those experiences?
2: 2010 was crazy. You know, we were all kind of kids still. Now, a lot of us played in the minors in 2007, eight, eight, nine. Uh, We played in the NHL, all of us full time together. And we went on this like crazy run where no one thought we could. And we ended up losing to Detroit in game five of the Western conference finals. And I remember kind of going into the next year, this is where our like buffling got paid and a lot of young guys started to get paid. We kind of knew that, or in myself actually too, we kind of knew that this was going to be our last time together. And we just started our journey together. So it was kind of a, a strange kind of situation to be in, but um we had a lot of pressure on ourselves to win that year we didn't know if we could we knew we were a good team but we just had a strange belief in each other we held each other accountable more than any team I've ever played on that 2009-10 team if anyone was in your face or if anyone was not playing good they'd be in your face in a second just like hey let's go get up you know uh and no one took anything personal so it was such a, a great group of guys to be around in the sense of just respect for each other and trying to be there for each other on the ice Um, and, uh, you know, just being kids, man, like a lot of us were 21, 22, uh, we had fun on the ice, had fun off the ice and we cared about each other. And a lot of these guys are still my best friends today. So to go through that entire experience with a ton of pressure on us to win that year, uh, and then all get traded at the end of the year, basically 11 of us left after that 2010 year, um, my, myself included, then it was, uh. It was crazy. So it was such an amazing moment. I still remember winning the cup and holding the cup up and kissing it three times because our, you know, I just had a dog that died and her name was Hattrick, but I kissed it three times for her and my family. So that was the first thing I did. It was a pretty crazy experience. And then uh, the 2015 one was a little different. It was still, it was still awesome. I didn't have the same type of role. I got hurt. Uh, in the first round, and then I couldn't get back in the lineup until the Stanley Cup finals, but found my way back in in game one and had a really strong finish. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure if I didn't play in that finals, I don't think I would have felt like I contributed, you know, to the Stanley Cup, but I, I was thankful to get in the finals and help in some big moments in that cup run too and feel that I was able to contribute. But they're just – they're so different, but at the same time, um, so much goes into it. And, to, you know, you get that, like, I don't know, two- to four-hour feeling of you know pure bliss after winning it's like the craziest feeling ever because you're not just happy for yourself you're happy for your family you're happy for your teammates um and it's you know it's kind of crazy because you know you have kids and you get a similar feeling in a different way but you just you you may never have that feeling again so it sucks you know because you're like this is the best thing ever you put everything you had into these two moments um and you got to feel it which i'm extremely uh happy about but it's it's almost like man i just want to do that every year right
0: if it was that easy i mean yeah. I, you always know how hard it is so that's awesome i could listen to stories like that all the time did you do anything cool with the cup uh you know the
2: first time you got it or
0: something the second time
2: yeah we had uh so my dad he's a farm salesman so we had all his buddies come over or tractor salesman so he had his farm buddies come over we had a big pig roast um the first day or the both times actually we had pig roasts and then we had uh What do we do? My second time we had it at my buddy's farm, so we had a big party, had a couple DJ booths, everyone had a great time. The first time, same thing. I went actually back to the old street that I grew up on. We had a big road hockey game in 2010 right in front of the house uh, where we basically played road hockey every single day for 15, 20 years. Man, it was it was awesome. So I had some of the old neighbor kids come over and friends, and we split it up three aside. I ended up losing the cup that day to my buddies sure they're playing a little (laughs) harder with me but uh yeah that is that actually to me was probably the the most uh special moment was just bringing the stanley cup back putting it on the porch uh, and having that stanley cup on the porch where we grew up watching us play the entire game on the street uh there's actually a pretty cool video of it on in or on uh youtube but yeah just having it for that day is uh pretty special you bring it everywhere bring it brought it back to the old rink i played hockey and um all that stuff so pretty much a lot of the same i'm sure what everyone else does but it is special oh, cool yeah well a lot of people
0: if you win the cup they do it so yeah <laughs> yeah um, producer vinny will find vinny's not here with us tonight but he'll he'll find those cool videos and get those posted i can't wait to see him um but you talked about how like you're happy for your family obviously when you win the stanley cup you're also happy for your teammates was there was there a teammate or a couple teammates that stood out to you that, you know, took you under your wing when you first got in the National Hockey League or, or someone
2: that really helped you along your journey a little bit more than others? Oh, there's so many, but Marion Hosa, that 2010 year was like he just lost in two finals the year before um, in game 6 against Philly. We were up 3 to 2 and then the puck like caromed off his leg right to I think it was Billy Leno or Scott Hartnell. And they tied the game up with like two minutes left. And I remember looking at Marion and and it was just like the world ended, right? Like he was just like, you could see it on his face. I could feel it in my gut. The team felt it. And then we went to overtime and ended up winning uh, and seeing Taser hand Haas the cup that year was like the biggest relief off one guy's shoulders I've ever seen in my life. So. Uh, Marion Hosa had to be a just an unbelievable person, uh, unbelievable teammate and an incredible hockey player. And this is really for young kids. I mean, you should go back and watch an entire game of Marion Hosa play, not just the highlights. I know we all love highlights, but watch <laughs> Yeah, that's all, you know. But watch the game and watch the things he do, he did within the game, the back checking, the stick lifts, the pickpockets, everything within the game. That's what made him a Hall of Famer. But he was so such an unbelievable hockey player uh, in all facets of the game.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, we can, we'll, we'll jump more into video here in a minute, but that, you know, watching, you know, people you want to emulate, and, and you're right, it's not just the highlights because the highlights, you know, they're highlights for a reason, but the, the guys that get to the highest level don't just do highlights every single shift, every single game, it's, it's their complete game that gets them there. And so I think that's awesome advice to have the kids watch, you know, somebody like Hosa and how he plays. And as you're talking about that, I got like goosebumps cause I'm a, I'm a nerdy hockey Blackhawks fan. I, I love hearing about that hand in a cup to him, And I remember that game and everything. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I've got, I'm going to switch gears here away from the Blackhawks, away from your NHL time a little bit, but, um, I'm curious about, you know, throughout your process, um, what do we say is 15 years of professional hockey in the NHL and and overseas a bit. And, you know, what, what is your, what did your training, you know, inside the season, outside the season, specifically outside the season, what did that training look like for you? Did it change over the course of your career and how, um, how would you reflect that to maybe, you know, kids coming up today, uh, in, in any sort of like training off season training advice that you could pull from your experience at the professional level?
2: Yeah. Well, my training throughout my career changed so much. I had uh, five major surgeries in six years. I had uh, ACL, two hip, hand, uh, two groin. So when I came in the league, when I talked about being 20 years old, uh, training was much different. The game was much different. It was all about lifting heavy, bulking, putting a lot of weight on. Uh, and then after my what was it my ACL surgery, I just couldn't lift the same way, like consistently, I had some swelling in the knees and some issues. I also had hip surgery, uh, the year before that and groin surgery. So I just had so many issues. So I had to change the way I was training. And it was like, I was at that point where I'm 27 years old. And it's like, I can either get stronger, or just try to stay fast, right? If I keep getting try to get way stronger, I felt like I was going to lose my speed. So I just went for, you know, I went, probably 15, well, 12 to 15 pounds lighter. So I played at about 173, 174 my last uh, three or four years, but I just wanted to stay uh, quick enough to keep up to the young guys because they all could skate well. So my training changed from bulking to more quickness and speed. Um, and, and much probably to the way the kids are still training today. I remember, uh, you know, a lot of single leg stuff, balance, um, focusing on making sure your core is strong, just a lot of different ways to train, but it it did change drastically over the time, but for. For me, uh, talking to the young kids again now is just understand that, you know, rest is a weapon too. take a day off. Like don't let, you know, you can go six days a week if you have to, especially if you're trying to make the NHL on that seventh day and you you call it a day off, maybe just stretch or I don't know, meditate, do something, you know, take your mind out of it. Think about other things and don't just go every single day. That would be some of the advice that I could say, uh, to the younger kids now.
0: I, I just keep thinking about your career and I'm kind of talking out loud here, but the idea of like, you're a small player playing when it was a big man's game, but then towards the end of your career, when you're, you're older, obviously it's becoming a, a sm- not a smaller man's game, but a quicker game. Uh, and then you had to keep up with that. And yet you were still able to play well over 10 years in the national hockey league. So that's a, that's a credit to, to whatever you did. And so now you're, you're, you're giving back to the game and you're, we always talk about leaving the game better than we found it and you're, you've created this new app um, and by the time this is published the app uh, will have been out um, for a couple weeks now and so let's dive into that first let's let let's chat about exactly what it is and I'm excited to, to go and by the time people are listening to this I will have tried it um, but I'm excited to go out and try it um, and I went through the demo with you and it looks like It does everything I want it to do um, that I used to use like three different apps for. And now I just have to use the one. And so that's like obviously a time saver. And with me knocking on 10 concussions, like it's good for my brain too to not have to switch back and forth (laughs) through 15
2: different things. So let's, if you want to dive right into it and chat about a little bit, I'd I'd appreciate it. Well, we should talk about those concussions and uh, what stem cell therapy could do for those. (laughs) That'll be nice. That'll be (laughs) offline. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So back, you know, when I was done hockey, well, let's just start here. What you said is exactly that. We wanted to streamline the entire process for clipping, editing, annotating, and sharing for coaches. Right. And we wanted to do it for the the B coach, which we call it is uh, that's kind of how we're uh, entering the market. And in the, the terms is We want to do it for the B coach, which is in any sport, but especially hockey, it's double A, triple A coaches, you know, anywhere from the age of seven to 17. These coaches don't have enough time in the day to use the current tech out there. Uh, It's too slow. They have to use two to three different platforms in order to take a video annotate the video and send the video. So a little bit of a use case is we have Jess Campbell, uh, before it used to take her two to four days to get a stride progression sent to a a parent. So basically a forward, side and back stride progression uh, sent to the parent where now she just takes a clip from the kid going back or on the back, on the side and in the front. And then she takes the video, she merges it together and sends it to the parent before the kid's skates are off, right? So the idea was is at the end of my career, I wanted to help kids between generally the age of 10 and 15 that kept, sorry, that between the age of 10 and 15, that kept asking me to look at their clips, but I would go on to like on form in these, these apps. And I'm like, man, this is so hard to use and it's not fast and quick enough for me to do it. And I don't want to watch the full game. I just want to watch one or two shifts. Right. So that's why we built this app. We wanted to be, we have this camera in the app that actually, if you're filming for five minutes on a regular phone and your kid scores a goal, at the five-minute mark you've saved five minutes of video although only the only piece you need is that five seconds of the goal right yeah so for ours you're filming for five minutes and then after your kid scores a goal you just tap this button it goes back 15 seconds and gets rid of everything else so that's where i wanted that parent to find that little five to ten second clip be able to send it to me me to annotate it and send it back uh and that's what we created uh that's what clever is it's um It's democratizing sport tech, I believe. Uh, That's what I want. I, again, grew up poor. We didn't have much. I know I couldn't definitely afford to play in today's game. Uh, And I want to give back to the 99% of athletes, parents, and coaches who don't have the ability to use these expensive sport tech platforms uh, and so that's what we built. We again, I'm going to use that word every single time as we believe we we're going to democratize sport tech for the youth sports and the youth coaches. And we're going to save them just a ton of time and hopefully help them make some money, too, at the end of the day. Right. We have we have a lot of the same mission and
0: we share the same values as far as like how we grew up and uh, how hockey is just getting more and more and more expensive it's insane. I went, my daughter who's four, um, there was like, there's like two options at the the store for a stick for her. It's like this wooden $10 one or this like hundred dollar composite stick. I'm like, she, I don't think she'll ever need that until she like gets to a point where she can actually know how to use a stick. Right. But it's crazy that that's what it's coming to. And so I love that, um, that you're working with that type of mindset in the game of hockey when, I mean, you've literally done everything you can in the game of hockey. And so, I think that's phenomenal. Um, and I can't tell you how many times, like I am excited just the idea. Like if I'm filming a drill, I don't have to, I usually like, okay, he just messed it up. I'm going to cut all right, new video. I right, cut new video. And then like, I, I spend 25 minutes after the skate deleting the clips that I didn't want and trying to find the ones that I wanted. And I mean, it just takes time. Right. And so the
2: idea is that how do, how'd you get the name clever? Is it uh, yeah. clever or no? Well, where we are just, we are? yeah, my one brother said clever and we're like, we kind of like that name because we think the button that we kind of call it a, a fl, or edit fly or fly editing, you know, because you're just editing on the fly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where my brother's like, it's a pretty clever idea. You know, Uh, and it was actually our, one of the founders is Josh McDevon. He's the coach of the Kelowna Rockets. He's the one who kind of came up with the idea, right? He's like, man, if I was a coach, I could just take a clip. I could just trim it to what I want. And then I could keep clipping as I go. Right. So that's where it kind of came from. Uh, The name was from my brother who, when we were talking about Josh, talking about fly editing or edit on the fly, whatever you want to call it. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like I go to my kids hockey now. I leave it on for the full hour, the camera. Uh, my kids have like a couple goals, a couple assists. I only clip those moments. And instead of having an hour uh, in your camera roll, you have literally anywhere from 15 to 30 seconds, right? And it's all the highlights. And then you can actually take some of the stuff you want to teach on, you can annotate and show your kid, or you can just create highlight clips so you can merge them all together and send a family. And it's done like instant and super quick. So again, um there's numerous uses for it there's the parent uh there's the coach uh and there's the athlete and again, we hope at one point, this could just be a really big platform for getting X pros on of all sports, but right now hockey, especially uh, getting them on to, you know, be able to take uh, a clip, annotate and start teaching kids. We actually studied um, just the visual retention for children. It's up 30 to 60% higher visual retention uh, for a kid if they can see something right away, right? And this kind of now allows the kid to see stuff within a certain amount of the time frame just to see whether it's good or bad but something they can help
1: I'm, I'm excited to try it because i i didn't you know i haven't i haven't played around with it yet it's not launched yet but i know that you know danny's a huge video guy he like hauls a big flat screen tv into the rink and posts it up in the penalty box and and he does that you know immediate feedback for the kids like he demonstrates the drill by showing it on the on the video first and he's going to eat this up you know i'm i'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum where like i would love to but i don't because it takes away like it's too complicated for me. So that's where like, I always want to. And I, I I think this might open the door for me to do in my elevated clinics, like I'll video stuff, but like I miss out on 80, 90% of what I want to actually show because I'm, I'm actually coaching. Like it's hard to to be a videographer and a coach at the same time. So that's why
2: we built this though. That's exactly why we built this because of that mindset. And that's kind of my mindset too, right. Is you don't have enough time on the ice to do video on the ice and coach on the ice so expensive now an hour like ice is crazy expensive now it's too expensive you as a coach need to soak up every minute like i coach my kids right and and you know it's like okay we got 50 minutes this is the plan this is how we're going to execute i don't have time to teach with video on the ice but what i do is i have my assistant coaches take a couple clips i'm like hey watch the kid how he's turning on his outside edge clip I then get that clip after I go sit on my couch, I tell the parent, I'll send it right to the parent. Hey, watch your kid's outside foot, going around the edge, make sure it's down and planted. He's using the inside edge on his outside foot, you know? So it's just about, Hey, now instead of having to film forever to find that outside edge turn and wait, you just have your assistant <laughs> coach take it clip, boom, and you shoot it off. So you're exactly like me, Pete, like I'm not teaching on the ice at all with video. I have my assistant coach at the time, you know, if I see something, just take a clip or what I do also is I have them clip all the drills I do. And then what I do is I uh, merge all the drills together and I send it to the parents. Hey, this is the drills we're going to do today. And it's only like a 30 second clip highlight because each drill is between five and eight seconds. Right. And then the parents mm-hmm. and the athletes can actually see the drills that they're going to do before it even happens that day. So you're the reason we built this though, Pete, you know, Danny and like guys that use it all the time. I think they're going to use it, but I want that parent or that coach who feels like he doesn't have the time now to be able to, Hey man, I can actually teach on this. Cause I don't have to do it on the ice. I can do it at home. That's interesting. Well, I,
1: yeah, that, I think that sounds fantastic. I look forward to, to using it and trying it out in, in my practices and, and skill sessions and stuff. You, you touched on something too, which just rings a bell with me is like, I, so like I work with USA hockey and I've been in all these meetings lately. And uh, one of the, like, talking points, like, behind closed doors, a lot of it is, like, ways to integrate the parents in a positive way into the practices. And, like, what you're talking about is, like, one of the things we've talked a lot about is, like, letting parents, like, the old school mindset of, like, I'm the coach, they're the players or the parents, like, we don't mix the three, and, like, what I say goes, is kind of out the door in the way, in, like, common society, and and as it well should be, like, the parents... You know, the more you can keep them involved, even just from like an awareness standpoint of this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, um, you know, they're going to be more bought in as like uh, from a culture standpoint in the team. And, you know, you kind of touched on that, like being able to send the clips of these. this is what we're doing and why we're doing it, or, what we're improving, whether it's on a macro team level or a micro player level. I think that's a that's a really cool insight that I think there's a lot of coaches out there that'll really just eat that up.
2: Yeah, it's, it's great you talked about that. So I have my parents film too. They use the app, right? And there'll be a dad, he'll watch his son do something like shooting or whatever. He'll take the clip. He sends it to me within the app. Or you can also send it out of that. but he sends it to me in the app. He'll be like, hey, what should my son do here? I just take the clip. I, I put it into my coach mode. I annotate and send it back. And it literally is like that. So I tell the parents, if you see something that's bothering you about your kid, clip it, send it to me. I can send it back. Now it doesn't take time to do it. It literally takes me, like I did a shot annotation for all my kids It took uh, 40 minutes. And I did, I think 15 shot annotations, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it'd it was, take me three hours. It would take before. Yeah. It'd take hours to do. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it didn't even actually take that long. It was just more just showing kids how to hold, but yeah, that, that's exactly it. I want parents to send me what they think their kids should be getting better at. And yeah, you're right. I, I would I would hope that video or this type of app could be a piece in, in helping that process.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a a great tool. I mean, I have a, a parent that I work with in a very positive way and help his kid out. He's playing juniors right now, and I mean, he's like, "Can you watch a couple of these games this from last weekend and give me advice on the player?" I'm like, "I would love to. I want to, but I can't devote six hours this weekend to watch a game."
2: People. Yeah, like so know. that's that's exactly what you said though. I know I'm hammer. I'm going on on this a bit, but. That's what parents wanted me to do too. They wanted me to watch the full game. I'm like, I don't want you to have to pay me f- this much money because like it costs a lot of money for these right. coaches that are third party coaches. I'm like, I have to buy the expensive tech. I have to give my time, which in order to watch your game and do everything, I'm not going to get back to you in two to three days because then I have to take the shifts, get down to those four or five shifts that I'm showing you anyways. Right. Right? And you're like, you don't have the time to do that. So that's kind of where this came from is just send the one or two moments. And as you know, you can't give kids 10 things, give them one or two things to work on and then stack the next thing. Right. So that's kind of where it came from is just simplicity. Show them one, two things, uh, and really try to help them in that way. Very cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I could talk about this forever. So we'll have to, we'll have to have you on again, but, um, we want to, we like to keep these a certain, certain length, but, um, yeah. yeah, I think the, uh, the app is phenomenal. So if you haven't tried it yet, go try it again. We'll, we'll obviously link everything and put in the intro as well. But, um, before we kind of wrap this and tie a bow on it, what kind of advice would you have for hockey players aspiring to reach the next level? So any, anything outside of enjoy the game and have fun. Cause that's, that's obviously first and foremost. And we, we know that, uh, you don't have fun it's hard to hard to do anything in this sport so what kind of advice would you have for those kids that you know want to make their a team extra or or jump to the junior ranks or or
2: above that there's two things i usually tell everyone these are players that i've played with who are struggling mentally or whatever i say do you and act like you belong you know and almost like a fake it till you make it you know don't go in if you're going in a and you're trying out for double a and you feel like you're an a player in that room and you don't feel like you belong, you've already lost, you know, go into that room like you're a double A player, act like you belong and just do you play your game, have fun. I know that part's cliche, but when you're doing you and you feel like you're doing your best in that sense, and you're, you're your true self, you'll play your best.
0: Yeah, and it's not,
1: you do have to have fun, but I, I love that you went a little deeper with that. So I appreciate it. So what, let's flip gears then. So that's, I mean, I think that's that's great, solid advice for for players coming up. And you know, the other the other side of our majority of our listeners in this podcast are our coaches, whether they're the youth hockey coaches at whatever minor level or or junior hockey coaches. So what kind of uh, what kind of advice would you extend to coaches listening in in uh, in, in kind of in the in the light of player development? What kind of advice would you send to a coach for player development?
2: Yeah. When I'm looking, so I'm coaching five to six year olds and we got a really strong group. And I think the foundation that it's built off of is simplicity. You know, like if I'm, I'm wanting a kid to turn one way uh, I want him to go around the pylon 15 times left. You know, I don't want to go around the pylon and then tell him to do an Eagle turn and then use a puck when he's six years old and he hasn't learned how to turn left yet. Yeah, This is an argument I've had numerous times. But for me, it's like, you can't go to grade four before you get to grade one. Some kids will get to grade four faster, right? Some kids don't like school better. And that's the kid that you got to progress at a faster rate and a faster level. But you do got to start with the basics. The basics are there for a reason. There's great coaches like you guys and everyone who can start to stack more complex drills as you go on. Drills that we never learned as children and kids. Drills that you guys understand now. So... From a player development standpoint, uh, I think if you're going into the junior uh, and uh, pro level, sit down with your game, understand your flaws, uh, and hammer on them in the off-season and in-season when you have that extra ice time. Really, if it's face-offs, if it's D-zone, if it's stick, stick on puck, whatever it may be, really focus on that and make it your life's goal to master your flaws uh, for that. But again, back to the young kids, please, just keep it simple until they understand yeah. the drill. Yeah. 1000% like I I
0: post a lot of stuff on Instagram that gets a lot of views, but if you if anyone comes out to my skates, they know that like we do we do the basics. We do edges, we do turning, we do we do pepper pass, right? We literally my the guys that I work with that play in the NHL will do will start with pepper pass and just work on the basics cuz I think you're never too good to come back to those things cuz their passing will always be a part of the game. I don't think that's going
2: anywhere. I'm going to just touch on that too. Like, I love that you're saying that because this is what I told the parents. I'll literally put the kids and I'll be like, you got to pass for five minutes straight. Six-year-olds, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, they're just passing. I'm like, well, we've worked on skating. We've worked on shooting. We've worked on stick handling. I'm like, how do you think the puck gets to the player? Right. Right? Everyone forgets about passing, right? Yep. And that's kind of one thing that I love hearing when coaches talk about passing, because passing's the biggest part of the game. It's literally like, again, skating, everything, every piece has a tool. But passing to me, if, if you can help a kid pass at an earlier age and they start to master it, and then their hockey IQ can start to get built on top of that, you know, Yeah. I mean, that to me is, how it's done but yeah it's amazing
1: sure. working with like even with like junior players i work with or, or the college like kids that come out and you're like how can this kid be 18 or 19 years old and like not hardly know how to like catch a pass or like can't can't put a pass like within six inches of, of a guy's stick you know like, no. it's it's amazing and, and it's you're it's a, like an underutilized skill and then when somebody's good at it you don't even think twice about it it's just <laughs> natural but nobody's like really practicing it like you said so i think that's yeah. it's a good little insight
2: like yeah. just make sure you're practicing every facet not just skating shooting and stick handling right yeah i can remember
0: our our youth team every every literally every practice jimmy johnson this guy played the nhl forever played at umd all right pepper pass let's get on the boards and one guy was off the boards and made all his passes and the next guy went and like we did that started 99 of our practices and it's uh we were took us a long way all of us did awesome one one of the kids who didn't end up playing uh division one hockey from the team ended up playing division one golf so it worked out for him as well but uh nice. it was pretty it's it nice. pretty cool working on the basics so um before before we jump in and get our, our let's go from even though you kind of started out with that a little bit uh where can one where can people find the app and where can people
2: find you and kind of interact with you on the social side yeah, Stigalicious is my Instagram. Um, <laughs> you can find <laughs> me. Uh, Clever app, K-L-E-V-R-A-P-P is our Instagram handle. And then in the app store, it's K-L-E-V-R.ai uh, is our Apple, um, Apple name or whatever they call it. Apple store name.
1: Nice. Awesome.
2: And we'll, yeah, uh, Clever.ai is our, our website too. If you want to check out tutorials and, and all that type of stuff as well.
0: Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll definitely link all that and send that in our newsletter. But uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for coming on, and thank you for everything you've done for our game. You've you've left it in a better spot, and you're continuing to do that. So big time, appreciate that. But can we get a, a little let's go from you before we thank you?
2: Let's go, and my wife's gonna come down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Babies Taking are up. The kids up. <laughs> you woke my kids up. That's all right. We'll get yeah. them back down. But awesome.
2: Thank you very much. Chris really Versteeg, tight.
1: thank you very much, man. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks, guys. Chris Versteeg, thank
1: you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to with you, uh, talking more about your, your experience and, and the time in the, in the pros, winning the Cups with my team, the Blackhawks. But sincere thank you. Yes, Chris Versteeg, thank you for coming on. Danny, let me throw it over to you. Let's Let's wrap this thing up. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Let's do it. Three stars of the night. Um, honestly, there's a ton honorable mention goes out to that, um, street hockey game that he lost the Stanley cup to his buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I would, if I, if my buddies, if one of my buddies ever wins a cup, or if I get to play a roller hockey game for you can bet I'm going game seven and I'm going to try to win that thing. So I don't blame his buddies. Uh, 100%. It, was a, it was a fun night, but, um, Yeah, third star of the night was just his love for the game, like the way he talked about when he was younger, how, you know, he would have played hockey all year round if he'd let him, but his dad took it away from him, um, you know, certain times of the year, and it made him hungry for that game, and made him, when he was coming back to uh, the season, he wanted it, and he wanted to get back into it, and that's a that's the same reason. Like I, I run summer hockey stuff, right. And we don't do a ton of tournaments. We do one tournament and every year I ask for feedback and the feedback is let's do more and more tournaments. And I'm like, that's working, right? Like the kids want more and more and more. And so when they get to the season, they want more versus like, Hey, let's play 50 tournaments this summer. And then we get there and they're just like like cashed out. So I can go on, I go on for that forever. Um, but I, I don't think, um, you need to play hockey year round. And so it's cool that uh, he brought that up.
1: Yeah. Star- heart on. Yeah. on your side, star. he also throws a shout out to roller hockey and what a sweet cross trainer that is in the off season, which I'm a huge roller hockey fan. I used to play a ton. Now I coach it a little bit. You're a roller. You came from roller originally before jumping to ice. So yeah. huge yeah. shout out to that. And also, I mean, True. you think about translated to, to that story you just mentioned about playing uh, like road hockey with his buddies. So it's like, you know, take, you know, just cause he's not on the ice playing tournaments. Doesn't mean he's not playing hockey and like roller hockey, road hockey, like fueling it. So side note on your star.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Like that, he said that was a skills coach, right? Like that's where you learned all his skills from. That's there's So you can get so much better at hockey in the driveway, in your basement. I mean, kind of a plug for project hockey, but, uh, you can do the work anywhere. And so I love, um, I love this guy's mission, man. Like he's He's someone I want to I want to be around more and more just because the the way he's leaving the game better than he found it. So, speaking of that, star number two, clever. The app is star number two. Um, it's a cool it's a cool app, and I'm not just putting it in here to put it in here. I'm putting it in here because the app is cool. All right, It's cool. Check it out. It again, it saves you a ton of time. It it allows you to show kids uh, how they're learning, how they're doing certain drills. It honestly, like we all have like like I, I can envision it. Like I've, everyone's got coaches, right. That are like just standing in the corner or not as engaged. It's like, Hey, um, do this, run this video, check this out, film this quick, boom, boom, boom. And it kind of gives everyone a, a purpose out there. And so I'm pumped about the app. It's a phenomenal tool. Make sure you check it out by the time this is posted, it's already launched. So get to the app store and check it out.
1: Star number one, kicking over to you, Cameron. And that app is called clever. K L E V R um okay
0: scissors the 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 uh logo gosh could can
1: think there is scissors it's
0: cool i didn't know i didn't realize it until you said it either so
1: <laughs> pick yeah it's a double double logo K and scissors um but number one star of the night i think there's a couple couple to choose from you know i like the phrase rest is a weapon i liked about uh what do you talk about like playing what was the quote there danny like be be inside your frame Talking when he's talking about training. Yeah. So I think those are important facts. But I'm going to go, because I'm a Blackhawks guy, and it's sweet having a Blackhawks Stanley Cup champion on the podcast, I'm going to go with the number one star tonight is when he talked about what set that 2010 championship season apart, and he immediately started talking about the accountability um, that the players had within the locker room on each other, where they weren't letting each other – Um, you know, dog practices or, or, or slack on drills or slack on training, or they, they held each other accountable. And I think that's a huge, um, you know, pinpointing of what it takes to be a championship club and not in a negative way, but that they're, they're the respect for each other and the holding each other accountable. And then I think that that same concept or like principle culture principle translates to when he immediately, you know, later in the interview, we started talking about how, you know, he wins the Stanley cup and the moment he remembers the most is watching the captain Taze hand it over to Marion Hossa.
2: Awesome. And,
1: yeah. Like how cool is that? Is that like one of his favorite memories from that Stanley cup run is watching his teammate who's older, who's been so close a couple of times, actually finally win and like have the relief come off his shoulders that he finally won the cup after losing two years in a row in the finals. And you know, and I think that speaks to what it takes to be a championship team is like the selflessness and the, the um, kind of just the love of your teammates, you know, almost more than yourself. So that, that accountability and that desire for your, your teammates to win um, is what sets it apart. And it struck a chord with me, like personally, like when I won a national title one time, you know, my first thing was like, there was a player on my team who was a senior when I was a freshman in college and we won. And like, I, we had a couple seniors, but there's one that was just a good buddy of mine. My immediate thing was like, I'm so happy for this player that we just won the national title that he gets to end his college, like his hockey career with a title. And I think that, you know, like it resonated with me because I, I can relate to that and that, you know, being on a winning team, you start caring about your teammates more than you do yourself. So I think that's our number one star. That's a huge takeaway for anyone that wants to be a champion at whatever level they're at or aspire to be at.
0: I love that. Yeah. That's usually the, common denominator like when you are talking to someone who won a championship they don't talk about themselves they talk about everybody in the locker so you know i think that's a red flag there if your if your team is more about selfish goals i guess versus the, the end all be all so it's um it was awesome to have him on thank you again big time uh chris and clever app make sure you go and check that out and that's all i really have i mean i we the interview was pretty long like we talked to that that guy forever but i had the opportunity to talk to someone who's won the cup twice i'm not gonna i'm not gonna
1: you know skimp out on it right
0: (laughs) even though he played for the blackhawks whatever it's not you know what it is what is what it is but uh (laughs) That's all right. The wild, hopefully by this time, I don't know if you're listening to this, but hopefully the wild are still doing good. They're crushing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got to this point in the interview and you email me the code, the code word, um, hockey, I'm going to send you a project. Wow, that's shot.
1: pretty original.
0: That's yeah. Well,
1: let's really see if someone gets matter. this part of the
0: interview. <laughs> We're still blabbering on, uh, but seriously, thank you. Um, thank you for listening. Hit the like button. We did say that in the intro. People already did it. It was a phenomenal interview. So thank you very much. You want to wrap it up, Cameron?
1: Yeah. Well, last I got one question for you. What what's going on with Project Hockey and your hockey day Minnesota that's coming up?
0: Yeah, this should yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's gonna be awesome. It's just a huge festival of hockey. The a couple high school teams are playing outside. The Minnesota State Mavericks are playing outside against the St. Thomas Tommies. Um, they've already played twice this year and I don't know if you saw the scores, but
1: they, uh, they weren't close,
0: they were not close, but you know, this is later in the season. So you don't take anybody lightly. So hopefully our Mavs, you know, get it done, but it'll be awesome. Then it's capped off with the wild game, um, who another guest Ryan Carter is a part of as well. So actually R- R- Carter has been a part of this entire hockey day thing. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty cool. And it's January 21st, 22nd, uh, it'll be in Mankato where I live, um, and it's, it's outdoors at Blakeslee arena or Blakesley stadium uh, football field for the Mavericks. And it's gonna be awesome. So if you, if you are around, come in, we've got a ton of vendors coming in and, and doing different things um, and just making it a really cool experience for hockey players and parents. So
1: hockey day in Minnesota, check that out. Let's do the work. Wish I could be there. Well, sweet, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, good to catch up with you, Danny. Awesome to talk with uh, Chris Verstee with you. And I think with that, let's just uh, sign it off because it's time to wrap it up. And we'll see. Uh, we'll be back again with another one soon.
0: Let's wrap it up. Do the work. Let's go. <laughs>